Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. And that right there is about the only normal thing that I can say about the episode that we're about to record. <laughs> we uh, we really went way out of left field on this one, but I'm super excited because I think when you get to a point in your career as a podcaster when you can do something like this, it signifies not only uh, success in some various ways, but also uh, that you have just a real kick-ass community who has come around you, which I think we can say for sure so uh this is gonna be a really fun one i'm very excited it's it's indisputable indisputable it cannot it cannot be argued so just to clarify what we're talking about for those of us who don't follow us on our discord channel um i know in last week's episode we had said that we were going to be coming back this week with another installment of the wind waker and that we would just be continuing um on the schedule that we had uh, posted to social media and discussed uh on the show before uh however you know with the holidays um and the fact that matt and our whole family are taking a uh a week and a half long vacation to Colorado starting tomorrow. Uh, and the fact that the next episode we were going to record was going to be the Triforce quest. It was just, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And um, I, I think what we figured out was that there was going to be no way to really make that episode happen without uh, just really burning ourselves the hell out on, on that section of game. Uh, and, and we wouldn't have had a fun time doing that, you know? And well, it, and, and also it would have compressed the last episode because we would have had to take a lot of the extra stuff that we would have tried to do because the next episode is not only the Triforce quest, but tying up loose ends. And there are a lot of loose ends in this game to tie up. There's so much that's based in exploration and side quests and trying to do all of that in the couple of mm-hmm. days, like between Christmas and New Year's and like yeah. with work. And it was just not going to work out. So no. uh, in the effort of maintaining the highest of quality of our uh, actual regular episode, we decided to do a special bonus episode this week. Yeah, exactly. Because because I mean, you know, nobody's nobody's going to enjoy an episode in which uh, our opinions on that chunk of game are colored by the fact that we didn't enjoy playing it because we were like killing ourselves to get it done. You know? Yeah, we would enjoy it least of all, which is not what anybody. Wants. No, it's not. It's really not. So with all that being said, we decided. Look, you know what? Uh, it's the holiday season anyway. Let's let's maybe just go ahead and and hang back this week and do something a little different. Um, Next week, we will be taking a break. We will not be releasing an episode on Wednesday. The uh, what is that? The. Crap. Uh, Okay, yeah, there will not be an episode releasing Wednesday, January 11th. January 18th will be the Triforce Quest and Loose Ends episode. Um, But if you're listening to this episode on Wednesday, January the 4th, Um, The way that we are actually doing this is we decided to fire up another bonus episode. Uh, This one comprised of interesting questions that we received from people who are active in our Discord community. And just a reminder that the Discord community is one that anybody can be in as long as you're subbed to any level of our Patreon. That's anything from a dollar on up to the highest levels. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, it's it's a great time and we really encourage people to go be active in the Discord because um, it's 
a great crew in there. And honestly, we got such a great crop of questions to kind of build an episode around that. I, I think this actually might end up being like a solid gold, maybe maybe our all time great bonus episode right here. Yeah. And, and one that if it goes well and has the reception is good, then, we, you know, we'll do it again. And uh, there's never a bad time to do just a quick Q&A check in and uh, everyone get involved and have a good time. Yeah. Now, of course, we are recording this on Monday night, January the 1st. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2023. It's here. It arrived. Can't wait. Uh, So that being said, uh, the way that we're doing this is that we have the Discord chat open while we're recording the episode, and we've got people who are listening live on that channel. So again, these are cool things that I think we're going to start maybe doing more of as as time goes on and um, really looking for more ways to involve people who are kind of in that Discord community um, in the actual making of our show, which I, I think sounds really fun. I think people people have been mentioning that that would be a fun thing to do. And this is our first little like there's a little tiny toe getting dipped in the water of of, of that concept. It's a it's a great experiment, but we're going to see how it goes. Um, of course, the episode itself is going to be edited as normal um, and released on a Wednesday. But everyone who's in the discord chat right now is getting a completely unfiltered, highly impromptu. <laughs> if it goes off the rails, then like we're we're live here. So there's no there's there's just uh, oh, man. Hey, uh, cheers to you as well. Dylan, Dylan, our, our loyal follower, listener of the pod, um, drinking a glass of something that looks very nice in a Dallas Cowboys tumbler. We damn boys while playing Wind Waker. So, Dylan, you should uh, type out in the chat what you're drinking because we're uh, we're always interested to hear that. Matt, what are what are we drinking tonight? Uh, well, I'm drinking Jack Daniels bottled and bond. Uh, I think that it is probably one of the best whiskeys you can get for under $30. Uh, it's a hundred proof, uh, very delicious. I don't normally like Jack Daniels, uh, at least the regular Jack, you know, that you get with Jack and Coke's way too charcoal-y for me, but the Jack Daniels bottled and bond is excellent. It's smooth as hell. Um, yeah, for, for 30 bucks, it's just an incredible whiskey. And I am, uh, I'm going a little spicier tonight. I'm drinking Knob Creek, Kentucky rye whiskey. Um, I've been in kind of like a, a rye place in my life lately. I used to be almost exclusively bourbon and I've kind of branched out a little bit more, especially Especially in these winter months, a nice rye really goes down nicely. Not that it's super cold outside today. I was today. About to say, not that it's winter at all right now. Yeah, we had like an 80 degree uh, Dallas New Year's Day. So that was uh, that was crazy. Hard to be too disappointed about it since this time tomorrow we're going to be on a mountain and it's going to be cold and I can't wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited not only for the cold weather but also for the snow, which we don't get to see any of at any time so balconis pot still bourbon from dylan uh, i've actually had yes, that one oh, before really good. Uh, balconis is great and i completely agree uh, for 30 bucks it's a really incredible one um <laughs> all that is to say this is a, probably a pretty good sampling of the kind of episode this is going to be though it's going to be much more impromptu than what we normally do the prompt that we gave to our discord was to send us any interesting questions that they wanted us to answer and they didn't even necessarily have to be about zelda i mean almost all of them are but like they're not limited to a specific game you know that we've have played or haven't played it's all very um you know just whatever whatever came off the top of the old noggin for us to answer so that's what we're going to be doing well and also there are a couple uh just like lifestyle questions i think uh most of these folks have been with us for almost 100 episodes at this point so uh 
hundreds of hours of their lives, right? Like they have dedicated to listening to us just talk random stuff about Zelda and uh, they maybe are curious about who we are as people. So I think there's a couple of those in there too, which are going to be fun. The Magic Pixel, our friend uh, Dante actually says uh, he's drinking a bottle his mom got him for Christmas. Jefferson single barrel rye oh, finished in cognac casks. That's so good. That's fancy stuff. That's yeah, good. That's good stuff. Yep. Love it. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, with all that being said, we're probably going to go ahead and get the housekeeping out of the way here pretty soon and then just dive into these questions because, like I said, we've got a lot of really good ones and – uh I, you know, I think when we originally had the the concept for this episode, we were thinking, you know, let's just get like enough to cover 30 minutes or so. It's going to be longer than that. Yeah, so. I think we're going to have a basically regular length episode based on all of these questions, which could be anywhere from an hour and 15 minutes to two hours. We so. are we are incapable of recording a sub one hour and 30 minute. Ep- no, like I, I look possible. I look back at our early run times and I just I don't know how we did it. And we even talked because I went back and looked at some of our chat history from early in the seasons. Uh, season one in particular and we were talking about how do we get this more svelte so we're like sub 130 consistently because we started hitting over 130 uh, pretty early on in season one and we were like how do we get this back down to the sub hour and 30 and now yeah we put that out the window (laughs) Tiffany the star says is it bad that I'm playing uh, Stardew Valley while listening and my answer no. my answer to that is no Stardew Valley is one of the greatest indie games of all time so it, it has a wonderful chapter in um, Blood Sweat and Pixels oh yeah uh, uh, that's a great book and it has a the chapter on that is an excellent chapter yeah if you ever followed Jason Schreier when he was at Kotaku now he's at Bloomberg he's uh, one of the one of the big journalists in gaming who's you know pretty frequently getting a lot of the juiciest scoops and, and info um, he released an excellent book called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels a few years ago that kind of... Uh took um it, how many cha- it's like seven or eight chapters yeah, there's right seven or eight yeah. and each chapter is a very long form story about a development situation uh most of them having some kind of like drama or controversy attached uh to the development of a very famous game so like witcher 3 is in there dragon age inquisition. dragon age inquisitions in there destiny one is in there yeah, um and stardew valley is in there so anyway that's a great book <laughs> if you're interested in the game development process uh at all or any of the controversies that have arisen around game work life culture of which there are many um then that's an excellent book to check out but with all that being said matt let's go ahead and get the housekeeping out of the way and just dive right into some questions how's that sound let's do it you know for the fact that uh people are listening to us talk live and we have no safety net i feel uh, like yeah, we're, that's a little weird i don't know i know but i, I feel like i feel like it's going about normally though like well we don't really filter ourselves much anyway you do that all in post editing i don't filter myself at all because i just rely on you to post edit all of that out so yeah i mean it's it's usually just like Gatsby barks or like planes so that's true hopefully your neighbor doesn't try to jump over the fence again this time that would be a little hard to, to <laughs> explain to discord folks <laughs> that was a great time that was an interesting uh disruption that happened when we were recording last week's episode with uh the detective anywho if you didn't know sacred realms is a weekly re-examination of the legend of zelda one little slice at a time sacred realms drops every wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks every week we play a new section of a zelda game and then we sit down here to talk and drop our hot takes if that sounds fun to you please head over to apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button and be sure to leave us a review five star reviews are greatly appreciated 
appreciated and have a chance to get a shout out here on the show. If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod to get access to our Discord channel, listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and so much more. Additionally, one of the benefits that Master Sword patrons and above get is that we read their names every week here on the show. Those legendary individuals are Fallout 907, Kelso, Tiffany the Star, Daxel, Patrice, Stephanie, Darknuck, Brian, George, Mike, Dylan, Allie, Lennon, Melanie, Kolku, Aiden, Rowan, Josh, Nick, Keep It Going Pod, Dante, Gep, Brittany, Davey, Haru the Mighty, Derek, Albert, Mark, Andy, Cameron, Tyler, Ben, Daniel, Nick D underscore TV, Travis, Christian, Jonathan, Garrett, and Drew. We could not make the show without the generous support of all these amazing people. We appreciate them so much. Uh, and to all of you on that list whose names we read as uh, uh, you know, live here on this episode, um, thank you so much for joining us live tonight. And uh, yeah, we, we, we just can't wait. To, uh, we can't wait to do this and to have this fun conversation. So um, you, make, uh, you make having a podcast uh, even more fun than it already was. And it was pretty fun to begin with. Yeah, we, we always had fun, uh, but it's more fun with the kick-ass community. So thank you guys for that. Absolutely. Okay, so let's see. Are we I, mostly I think, just going to go in chronological order here? Yeah, I think so. And feel free to feel free to pick and choose if there are some that you think look more interesting than others. But how about let's? There let's, are a couple duplicates too. So yeah, like we might skip. But the first one that we have actually is from our good friend Max, uh, and it was uh, we've talked a little bit about it, but I think we could give just another synopsis here. If you could pull a design element from Breath of the Wild into the Wind Waker, what would it be? So mine is actually just off, just off the top of my head. Um, mine is maybe not quite as like sexy as some other things. You know, I think uh, there are a lot of big mechanics. Time it, of your sex tape. <laughs> nine nine. Uh, there are some. There's some mechanics in Breath of the Wild that are transformative for Zelda that I think a lot of people's minds would immediately jump to. Um, and I'm sure that there's a really good answer in there somewhere. The one that came immediately to my mind, though, is I want to be able to annotate the Great Sea map the way that I do the map in Breath of the Wild. Yep. Like like placing markers and reminders and icons and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I want to be able to put a sticker down on the islands where all the uh, where all the Koroks are with their withered trees, you know, or like, That's a good one. Um, you know, or what else? Like when I meet a like a character or something. And I want to remember which Island that they're on or, uh, when I get to an Island that, uh, has a puzzle or something that I can't get past at the moment. Like I, I want to be able to, I want, I want an in-game solution for cataloging those things. Um, so that I don't have to do what Max did and just like keep notes up on his phone. Yeah, no, I, I actually think that's a really great one. Um, Oh, there's our first plane of the Yay, airplane. Woo. Right in the flight path. I love it. Um, all right, we're gonna let that pass for a second. Um, okay, so I think mine would be item and weapon durability. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just totally, you're the worst. I literally, you said that so deadpan and I was kind of like looking the other direction. I was like, hold up. <laughs> oh, your facial expression made that worth it. You're a bad, bad oh, man. That was awesome. I loved that. Mm. All right. Mine. What would it be? Let me see. I think the open world movement of Breath of the Wild is excellent. Not only the 
you know, jumping as you will um, and free climbing, but also like shield surfing and sprinting and things like that. So I think um, really what I would do is just like a quality of life upgrade. And I think this is true for all Zelda games, minus maybe the the free free uh, free climbing is one that I don't think translates to any game except Breath of the Wild. But sprinting, uh, shield surfing, um, jumping at will, all of those things, I think, are 100 percent just huge quality of life upgrades that should be in every video game ever. Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the things that makes that really difficult is that Breath of the Wild is uh, is a game that has um, – how do I put this? So 3D Zelda games prior to Breath of the Wild were highly controlled mm-hmm. spaces, right? Where even when a world appears open, there's still a very specific set of rules that are in place to k- keep you from like breaking the bounds of the game. Yeah, it's it's Metroid. It's, it's a Metroid Lite-esque. Yeah, but I think that there are some things that could be incorporated. Shield surfing is actually a really interesting one, you know, that you just mentioned. Like, how cool would it be if just as an extra movement option in in a 3D Zelda game, you were able to, instead of having to, like, roll everywhere to go faster, you could just hop on your shield and surf down a slope or something? Yeah, that would be super fun. I would love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, yeah, in, in The Wind Waker, you could use shield surfing and like throw your tow rope on uh, King of Red Lions and just do some uh, some skiing uh, on your shield. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, I think that that's a Zelda spinoff game that we never got, right? Is yeah. is uh, great sea water skiing. Uh, great sea water skiing, like doing tricks. Oh, like that uh, Nintendo 64 game. What was it? 1080, uh, 1080 spin where it was the snowboarding game. Yeah. yeah like that. Love that. You know, um, I'm going to actually say one extra one that is a bit more related to the core mechanics and sandbox of Breath of the Wild. I would love for Wind Waker and any game of its type uh, to have infinite bombs on a timer. I think that that's very interesting. And the timer, well, well, I I think that that could be good and bad because I think the ability to just kind of spam bombs is really nice for the ship to ship combat that you have in Wind Waker. Well, Um, and and I guess that might be a little bit of a that might be an exception to the rule, I, I suppose. But I'm just thinking like. Bomb quantity has been a thing in every Zelda game except for Breath of the Wild. Right. And I just don't know. And I guess the same can really be said of arrows. But like Mm -hmm. in Breath of the Wild, arrows are obviously their own like weapon type. And that economy is a huge deal. Um, But yeah, like bombs specifically, I just have never really felt like there's an interesting gameplay reason to have a capped amount of bombs that you can carry um, other than that. It's just always been done that way. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree um, I think there's a, there's a, some nuance there specifically related to the ship to ship combat. But other than that, yeah, I think that's probably fair enough. Okay. So do we have anything else we want to say no, about that one? Okay, cool. On. Well, let's move on. Let's go to the first one. This is from Tiffany, the star who is in the chat right now showing us her excellent bookcase. Yeah, that's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. That's one of the, I'm jealous of people who a have enough books to make a collection yeah, of that of that size uh, and B have the time and energy to like arrange them in, in a way like that. It's <laughs> it's really impressive. Um, I'm not that organization person. is not one of your strong suits, Linda. Well, yeah, neither is reading. I mean, I can read. I'm literate. But like <laughs> I, <laughs> I, no, I used to love I used to love reading. Yeah 
paper books. I just, I mean, who has the time? Oh, I remember in high school when Harry Potter book seven came out, you literally picked it up at like eight o'clock in the morning, locked yourself in your bedroom for the entire day. Didn't come out except to like get a glass of water. Didn't even eat. Like literally were in your room all day, read the whole book. In yeah, one I, th- day. I 13 hour that book or something. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the most insane uh, things I've ever seen you do. Yep. That was a good time. I, I can't do that anymore. I do not have that sort of time uh, these days. No, I think your wife would have uh, qualms about that. Yeah. Well, what, what I do have these days is a one and a half year old. So there you go. That's that's that whole thing decided right there. Um, OK, so Tiffany, the star says you open your eyes one morning and discover you are no longer yourself, but the hero of time. This is uh, so just want to say this sounds like one of the test questions from Blade Runner where they're tra- testing to see if you're a replicant like <laughs> cells cells within cells interlinked <laughs> you open your eyes one morning and discover you're no longer yourself but the hero of time what game are you hoping you are in and why and what game are you hoping you are not in such as scared of heights so couldn't be in skyward sword or boats make me sick so couldn't be in the wind waker etc maybe it's the easiest game to beat or maybe it's the one with the best items or one where you can transform into other beings though not a wolf of course if i know you guys <laughs> uh she's not wrong about no that's a it's a it's a really great question um i think that's a good question that is a good question i i think right off the bat i do have to say that and this actually pains me because i think uh my answer is the one i would not want to be in is skyward sword um and that's unfortunate because like the world, especially the surface world of Skyward Sword is like really peaceful awesome. and yeah, gorgeous looking. So cool. And I would just like I would hang out in the uh, in the, the sacred waterfalls by the ancient cistern mm-hmm. all day, every day. Like sure. it's, it's just gorgeous. But here's my issue. I hate flying. I hate <laughs> flying so much like it is my yeah. scuba diving. No big deal. Like I'll I will go 150 feet under the surface of the ocean you know, at the drop of a hat, that sounds great to me, but like flying, I just, I am a nervous wreck on airplanes. So, uh, for the same reason that I think I would make a terrible Quidditch player. Yeah. Skyward sword is, is definitely the one that I would not want to be in. Yeah. I I have to say that Skyward sword, even though it is probably my top two games, I don't think I would be in Skyward sword either. Not because I'm afraid of flying, but because I'm afraid of jumping off of things that are perfectly capable of being airborne. You could not pay me to jump out of a perfectly fine airplane. There are so many people I know who are like, I want to skydive. And I'm like, you couldn't No, never, absolutely never in my life would I ever skydive. So I think Skyward Sword is out, unfortunately, for that reason as well. You know, the weird thing is I actually have an easier time imagining myself skydiving than just like being because the thing is, when you're in the airplane, it's a it's a loss of control, right? Like when turbulence starts, you're just like sitting there letting it happen, you know, and I, I know that it's I know that it's safe. I know the plane's not going to crash, but like it just it oogs me the hell out. But at least with <laughs> at least with skydiving, you're you're like an active participant in that. And like, yes, gravity is like still in play and it is like somewhat dangerous. But there's like procedures and stuff that you are going through to get safely from the airplane to the ground and like for the same reason that like yes there's some inherent danger in scuba diving Mm -hmm. you know uh but you're still the one there doing Doing it it. you know like at least i'm not saying i think i'm gonna go skydiving i'm not ready for that but like i can see where i would maybe get more out of that um it's like heights are not a phobia of mine it's just like man why why do the airplanes have to shake so much just (laughs) just fly it straight how hard is it it's not heights for me it's the fear of falling 
I don't know if this is the same thing. I think they're I think they're technically different. But anyway, I'm trying to think. And honestly, I don't know if I'm brave enough to be in any of the Zelda games. Like all of them would scare the living <laughs> out of me if I was ever in them, because like just think about. Like the the first one that comes to mind is Ocarina of Time because not only is it so classic, but it also has one of the more sprawling areas of uh, of Hyrule to explore in the group of games that you gave us. It's not Twilight Princess, which means I don't have to go into the Twilight Realm, which I hate. And also it's not Majora's Mask, which let's be honest, Majora's Mask is terrifying. So I don't know that I would want to live in Termina. Scary as hell. Yeah, definitely not Termina. Um, let's see, you know, Breath of the Wild is the one that comes immediately to mind because there's just so many places that it looks like it would be fun to go like hang out, live in, yeah. in Breath of the like, Wild. Rito like, Village would be awesome. Yeah, I would love to like Autumn in Rito Village or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that sounds great. Um, but then you have to go fight Calamity Ganon. Well, yeah, that's fair. I mean, my big thing with Breath of the Wild is the amount of things in that world that can straight up like murder kill you is very high. And very uh, terrifying uh, in their breadth of things that do that, right? Like you not only have moblins and bokoblins, but uh, guardians that are running around that make your life living hell if you try to go through the middle of Hyrule at any point in time. Yeah. You know, I think my my answer really does probably have to be Wind Waker um, just because, you know, I'm a I'm a somewhat nautical person i i enjoyed the ocean and being although you can't scuba ocean. dive in it or else you get eaten by the sharks well you can't scuba dive in it otherwise you break through the high rule bubble <laughs> and then, you and then fall, fall to your death and die <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, man. yeah but i i think overall i mean the people of the great sea seem like they're enjoying a good quality of life and aren't being harassed in any major way right that's fair so, so yeah, I, th- I think my answer's probably got to be the Wind Waker, and I will give, um, I'll actually give Twilight Princess a, a, a number two, uh, just because, like, again, that seems like a pretty, a, you know, just a pretty good, relatively benign Renaissance fair existence to live. That's fair. So I actually am just gonna piggyback on that because I think you're absolutely right. Um, and number three for me would be Ocarina of Time, um, just because, especially in the child link timeline anyway, um, things are pretty chill and it's not overly terrifying. So, um, that would be kind of neat. Um, yeah, I think that that's a good one, two and three. Yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah definitely. Breath of the Wild, definitely number one. No, 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 Wi- no. no Wind, Wind Waker. No, well, now I'm Breath of the Wild's got all the biomes that I like though, is the thing. Right. But also Guardians and Lynels. Uh, okay yeah all right all right when wind waker twilight princess breath of the wild is my ranking there you go okay i would agree with that all right let's move on we've got a question here from dark nook dark nook says which 2d zelda game would you most love to see recreated as a 3d game and vice versa great question. that's a really good question question. um let's see which 2d so i'm going to start with the front half which Mm -hmm. 2d zelda game would you most love to see recreated as a 3d zelda game um i know yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. I was actually going to say Link's Awakening. That's I mean, I knew you would say that. Um, I just think that like I mean, Link's Awakening is such a spectacular game. But I think that especially if you if you were aiming to make a 3D Zelda game that was not necessarily as long as Breath of the Wild, maybe it's like an Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask length uh, game. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that that could be a lot of fun because the island gives you this nice confined area to work with. But I think that a lot of the interesting like uh, quirks and a lot of the crazy personality of Koholint Island could be rendered really 
really spectacularly in in a 3D space. And just imagine like like looking up into the sky and seeing the wind fish's egg, no matter where you're at on the island. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, mine is actually uh, Minish Cap because I think the shrinking mechanic would make for a very interesting 3D game. A lot like, um, oh, what's that game that is out right now where you're a tiny person and you have to fight big spiders? Um, Dude, uh, I have no idea. No, I uh, I have no clue what you're talking about. Hold on. Somebody knows. I, I don't remember what it is. I don't remember what it's called. Um, I, your your point is valid, and I see where you're going with it. And yes, I completely agree um, that the 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 change in size from Minish Link to regular size Link is something that I think would translate really really well, um, especially on a in a more modern 3D Zelda game. I think in the past it might have been a little difficult to to make that happen, right? Just yeah. from a, like a console power standpoint, or from like a a game design standpoint. Uh, but you know, in a world where you can make Breath of the Wild happen. Um, um, yeah, I, I think that that would actually be really fascinating and I would, it's called grounded. That's what it's called. Okay, cool. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's a really cool concept. So you're basically, you are, it's like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Um, so you're a tiny person who's like in somebody's backyard and you have to like, it, it's a building game. So you like create your own, uh, like towns and structures and you have to fend off, uh, or go exploring, uh, and fight like insects, like ants and spiders and praying mantises and stuff are just like obviously way bigger than you. And it's, I've seen a lot of gameplay of it and it sounds really cool. And I know a lot of the streamers that I follow on Twitter and stuff have played a bit of it and most of them really like it. So, yeah, Uh, either way, Minish Cap is a spectacular answer. Uh, Really, really well done on that. Um, So the second half of the question is, which 3D Zelda game would you most love to see recreated as a 2D game? And, you know, I uh, that that that's a lot harder. That one's a lot more difficult to answer. Um, To be honest, I, I think I'd really love to see Twilight Princess done in that way, because I think that if you if you do Twilight Princess like that, then what you end up having is a I think a very link to the past style yeah. experience. Yeah, because every um, time you go to the Twilight Realm, you just transition. Right. Yeah, exactly. Instead of and when Link is the pink bunny in uh, the in Link to the Past, you are just Wolf Link instead. And instead of getting the item, I don't remember what the item was that makes you permanently regular. Oh, the, the pearl. Yeah. Instead of when you get the pearl that like helps, it does the same thing that the uh, shard of Twilight does in Twilight Princess where you can freeform transform. Yeah. I, I think that there's a world in which the, uh, in which the Twilight realm, um, can kind of take the place of the light world, dark world, like you're talking about. Um, And yeah, I just think that would make a really interesting 2d game. Um, This is making me kind of sad to talk about because I I think I've really been jonesing for a new 2d Zelda game recently, um, especially, especially after uh, playing Metroid dread, you know, Um, and seeing the way that some like older formats of, of game design are like still very viable and fun on modern consoles. I think that a really excellent top down Zelda game could be made on the switch. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure we're going to get one at some point. I just, it doesn't really seem to be a priority at the moment in the same way that like side scrolling Mario's don't really seem to be a priority for Nintendo yeah. at the moment. See, so. and that's why I actually don't think that we will get another 2d Zelda game. I disagree. For a long I, time. I, I, uh, I don't think so because Breath of the Wild was such a huge success, not only commercial commercially, but um, critically that there's no incentive whatsoever for Nintendo to make another top down Zelda, unfortunately, um, because they just don't 
I don't know. Like, that's not where the market is right now. So I, I don't think they have an incentive to do that. I think that by the end of 2024, a new top down Zelda game has been announced. I hope you're right. Cool. Uh, so uh, anyway, what, what would your answer be? Uh, my, my first blush answer was Twilight Princess as well. But since you already took that, I'm going to lean a little bit into a another area. I'm going to say uh, while it's not a 3D game is one I'd like to see in pure top down. And that would be uh, Adventure of Link. I think there is some oh, okay. I think there's some opportunity there for the the usage of spells, I think, was a really good mechanic that we liked a lot. But I think it, there's translation that can happen there with uh, 2D. Um, the side scrolling was fine. And I know we talked a lot about that during that season. So I'm not going to rehash too many of those thoughts, but, um, yeah, I think it would be at least interesting to see it in a pure top down, uh, perspective and could also give the exploration of the Hyrule overworld a little more, uh, depth and breadth, which would be fun. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, uh, great. All great stuff there. Uh, we've got another one from Dark Nook. And actually, I think that Dark Nook and Tiffany the Star are kind of our, oh, no, we've got some from a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're, we're going to have a few repeats, and that is totally fine. Y'all were y'all were firing on all cylinders for these. Uh, Dark Nook with a Peru bit of a... has one there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dark Nook with a bit of a palate cleanser, uh, who says that, uh, I think you've both mentioned that you played in your high school marching band. If yes. I remember that correctly, you we do. Um, and uh, college for me as well. I I did not. Uh, what Zelda song do you think would be the best song for a marching band to play at a college halftime show? Um, and just to clarify, Matt and I both played the sousaphone in marching band. We did. We were the ones carrying around that massive piece of brass uh, or silver or whatever it was. Yeah. And I was and I was doing that in college. My first two years of college, I was playing in the Abilene Christian marching band. And look, here's the deal about Abilene, Texas. It is a flat piece of land with high wind speeds. <laughs> And so when that wind catches in the sousaphone just right, you can essentially do like the Michael Jackson, like 45 degree lean and you're not going anywhere. Nope. Um, I so I also played sousaphone, as Lyndon mentioned, and my high school marching band won uh, private school. We both went to private high school as well. We won the private high school state championship two years in a row, my junior and senior year. So we were pretty excellent, in my opinion. So, man, this is a big one. Uh, I I think (sighs) – so I'm going to give you my first blush answer and then I'm spent going to spend a few more seconds thinking about it. Uh, the boss battle theme mm-hmm. from Ocarina of Time, not the not the Goma one, because there's two in Ocarina of Time. Right. There's a, there's Child Link and Adult Link. And then there's also, of course, Gant. Well, but but uh, Child Link, actually. So so King Dodongo and um, Volvagia both have the same boss theme. And actually, uh, Star-Lord from Twilight Princess has this same boss theme. It's the bum, 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 bum. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I think that would be a really, I That's think that'd be a really fun one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the opening credit theme for Skyward Sword would be a really excellent concert piece of music because it's just so lofty and grand and it's it's like an overture, basically. I, I love that one a lot. Um for marching band. Ooh, wow. It's got to be high beat, up tempo. Um, hmm. No, I actually think I'm going to stick with that one too because that would also be, you could really design a cool uh, marching, uh, what, what did we call it? The, like an arrangement? Yeah, the, the marching arrangement. Oh, choreography. Re- choreography. Choreography. Yeah, yeah, the marching choreography could, for that could be really cool too. That would be really fun. Oh, you know what? You know what? Here it is. Here it is. Oh, tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell, tell heights. Telltale Heights would be fun, too. That's that's there's no doubt about that. And you could like do a moving choreography of mountain scenery. It's just side scrolling and then just constantly be going back and forth across the field. Uh, that would be fun. 
Dante says, imagine not winning state. Dante, the magic pixel, also notably uh, a past uh, alum of Legacy Christian Academy in Frisco, <laughs> Texas. Dante, were you in the marching band? Just drop that in the chat. I can't remember. I don't think he was. I don't know. I don't remember. OK, anyway. Um, OK, cool. Uh, excellent question, Dark Nook. We did blow right past one from uh, from Haru the Mighty, our intrepid, uh, our intrepid discord wizard who's helped us put all of this stuff she together. She is the bestest. The she's, mightiest. She's the bestest. The, <laughs> truly, she is the mightiest. Uh, okay. So, Haru the Mighty says, okay, bear with me. And here we are bearing with you. <laughs> At which milestone would you both dress up as Tingle and live stream Link's Awakening until you beat it? 10,000 downloads for a week. For like one week, one week we get 10,000 downloads. I'll do that. Okay. I mean, that's definitely a stretch goal. Uh, yeah. It's 10 times what we get now. That's, yeah. why, it's, that's why it's there. That's why I said it. <laughs> wow. Um, hmm. You know what? I would go less than that for, for, for just for S's and G's. I'm going to say five that the first time we get 5,000 downloads in a week, Matt and I will cosplay as Tingle and we will live stream us playing Link's Awakening. You can cosplay as Tingle. I'll cosplay as something other than Tingle, but I'll do it too. That wasn't the question. Well, I I answered the question for me and my personal preference, and you answered the question for you and your personal preference. So you know what? There you go. As an extension of this question, Dark Nuck says, uh, which character, both Zelda and non-Zelda, would you most want to cosplay if you could create the perfect costume? So- Easy. Fierce Daddy Link. 100% right now. That's your, Zel- that's your Zelda answer. What's like... Non-Zelda answer? Oh, um... My my uh, Titan from Destiny 2. I would I would I would cosplay the hell out of my Titan in Destiny 2 with your Iron Lord armor. Absolutely. With my Iron Lord armor. Destiny is the end game of Destiny. So that's what I want to do. Yes. Oh, man. Let's see. Um, Zelda cosplay. I would want to do man. This is really are we just like presuming that we have the body type necessary to like. Okay, cool. I'm I'm including that in the uh, could you craft the perfect costume? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, hmm. Because neither of us have the fierce deity link body type. Let's be very clear. Yeah. It hurts because it's true. <laughs> we drink too much whiskey for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. You know, this is a really weird one. I actually kind of like um, I like the first. So uh, the first Hyrule Warriors links. Yeah. Outfit with the long blue scarf. And he's got yeah, like the pauldrons, the pauldrons. and yeah, stuff. I think one. I, I like think that's that I think that's a really cool looking outfit. Yeah, that's a good answer. I'm never going to play that game, but that outfit looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, awesome. Um, and then for non-Zelda, I think I would have to say, I, you know, I would really want to be able to do something cool from the Airbender universe. Yeah, you could do you could do a cool, well, you're more of a waterbender. Ooh, waterbender Southern Tribe Warrior with the wolf helmet. With the wolf helmet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd do, do that. The, yeah, oh, fun. no, you know what? And I've already got the mask for this. I would, I would, wa- I would want to do the most perfect blue spirit cosplay of all time. Well, that's easy. It's just black tights but, and black but you would bandana. Have to get a, and, but you'd have to get a cool prop of the dual sword. That's true. Those dual swords are awesome. Yeah. That's a good answer. I like that one. Cigar puff break. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next one. Ooh, what would a sacred realms blooper reel consist of? Have drinks been spilled? Podcasts started without recording? Equipment broken? Total tangents that got edited out? So that one comes via Tiffany the Star, and this is actually a really interesting question about the behind the scenes. Like, what does us recording an episode really look like? And to be honest, I would say that you're usually not missing very much with with some 
occasional exceptions. Like, you know, every now and again, I think earlier in the episode we mentioned last week while we were recording with uh, Mike, um, my, my next door neighbor smelled stogies and heard us talking and uh it, you know we're, we're friends and everything so he poked his head over the fence and was like hey keep it down you're keeping my kids up and he was just he was you know pulling our chain yeah he was just yanking our chain a little bit um but anyway him doing that caused gatsby to go on like a crazy 10 minute long bark fest and so the the whole pod came to a screeching halt in order to you know get get that situation all settled but um you know for the most part uh and, and then audio issues are the other one like yeah so our last episode with max the tower of the gods episode uh i think even though so that episode like final edit cut came in at like two and two and three quarter hours or something like that and we probably spent double that time trying to record that episode um because we were just constantly stopping and starting trying to figure out like man what's going on why can't we hear max like why can't max hear us like what's all this you know what's going on here um and so i, I would say that that is actually probably the most frequent cause of us like having to stop down and you know 7 minute silences get edited out um no one's ever we haven't had any party fouls while recording at least not on any equipment there's been some drinkage that's been spilled like on the ground or on the table but nothing that's been egregious enough to stop the pod and nothing on equipment. Luckily, we haven't had any equipment breakage outside of my microphone cord, which has stopped working in the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, it was rough. So uh, that's an equipment breakage. We do a lot of like breaks for refills on drinks and stuff. As far as tangents that get edited out, um, Lyndon and I both have some strongly held political opinions that occasionally uh, cause some tangents to be had that generally you edit out. And uh, so you but, miss but some of those. But sometimes I don't. So, yeah, sometimes you don't. So there's that. Uh, yeah, not not a lot of stuff. We try to keep it as natural and flowing as possible because we both have a very similar cadence of speaking that just flows and is hard to cut without it sounding very unnatural. Yeah, definitely. I think well, and that's one of the reasons at the, the at the very upfront of this podcast being created, uh, when I had the idea to make Sacred Realms, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what do I do about a co-host because it can't just be me talking about Zelda every week, right? Um, and uh, one of the reasons that I went to Matt first is because uh, I just knew that we kind of had that very natural conversational ability, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's really kind of carried us forward in a lot of ways. And we've been very blessed and lucky to have a recurring cast of co-hosts who mesh very well with that. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, great, great question there. Um, let's see. This one comes from Dylan, who is in the chat right now. Props to you, Dylan. Um, okay. So we've got some – this is a bulleted list. Ooh, a bulleted list. All right. So let's, let's, let's start at the top. These. Yeah. Okay. Where's your favorite vacation destination? Maybe a trip y'all took together uh, each and individually. Um, and I'll just go ahead and, and go first. Um, I have got, I've got two uh, mm -hmm. that I love equally. Number one is um, – I'm going to say Maui because that's the yeah. tropical oh, location yeah. that I've been to the most because uh, as we've said before, we're both – like we're scuba divers and it's a big hobby of ours. Yes. Um, so I love being there. But I've also been diving in Honduras in, mm -hmm. in uh, Roatan um, and that's gorgeous. Completely different part of the ocean, completely mm -hmm. different scenery and wildlife and all that. We've also done Cancun, diving in Cancun. We did that. Yeah, I, I liked Roatan and Maui better than For Cancun. Sure. Cancun but, had better – had good sea life but not great uh, – like 
views, vistas. Yeah. So uh, Maui is my number one and my equivalently ranked number two is, um, you know, uh, there are a lot of people I know who have got an itch to go to the beach once a year. They just have got to go be somewhere, you know, warm with you know, sand between their toes and and that whole thing. And they just they they need to do it. Otherwise, they start going stir crazy. And even though I love scuba diving, I've never necessarily felt that way about the beach. I need to go to the mountains frequently. Um, So Colorado, Rocky Mountain State Park, you know, or Rocky Mountain National Park, excuse me, um, anywhere up there. We're going to Steamboat Springs for vacation uh, next week. And uh, yeah, I just I love I love the the cold, bracing mountain air. And uh, so that's definitely my equivalently ranked number two. And I'm willing to bet Matt's probably going to say the same thing. But actually, no, you've been to I have been to, many, uh, I've been to more places. There you go. So my uh, my beach vacation spots, definitely Maui. I've been to Cabo and Cancun, Florida. I've been to some other places that all, all great. But Maui's definitely the best beach vacation my favorite place to travel sans family because i've never been there with our whole family i've been there with my younger brother is uh, scotland i love scotland it is my favorite place in europe i've been to estonia which is a gorgeous country highly recommend going there if you ever want to see cool architecture yeah, i mean and you've been to munich too like. uh, yeah so i've been to estonia i've been to munich i've been to various parts of the united kingdom including uh dublin and northern ireland where jackson and i actually did the game of thrones tour and got to see winterfell and the godwood and uh the woods outside of winterfell and the twins uh and the place where rob stark was crowned king we got to go to that uh place too that was really cool <laughs> R.I.P. to a real run, Rob yeah. Stark. Yeah, seriously. So we did that. I've been to Germany. I've been to um, where else? I said France already. I've been to a lot of places, but Scotland has a special part of my heart. And uh, so much so that actually my wonderful sister-in-law bought Jackson and I both uh, like one square foot plots of land in Scotland. So we're very technically Scottish lords because we own land in Scotland. And uh, it was one of the coolest gifts we've ever gotten. And we still haven't gotten those deeds printed and framed yet. But the PDFs are on my computer. (laughs) I need to run them off for you. Yeah. So uh, Scotland is absolutely just one of my most favorites. And Mark, who's also in our community, I know he's probably asleep right now. But uh, when you hear this, Mark... uh, Shout out to Scotland, one of my absolute favorite places in the world. So next on Dylan's list, what's your least favorite game that you've actually completed? Anthem. Well, can you say that you completed Anthem? Yeah, like what's I did. the I, I did I did the entire uh Anthem campaign when it first came out. I pre-ordered it, Legion of Dawn edition and everything. And that game launched and I beat it all and it was so buggy and it was so under completed and it was just not finished. It was a hot mess. I didn't even play the DLCs that came out. It was it, it just like it left such a bad taste in my mouth for what was such a promising game from like all the marketing and everything they did. It looked like it was going to be so good. And then it just was a hot pile of garbage. So I never played Anthem. Um, I've I, one one Destiny caliber game is enough for me, um, and then that'll probably be all I ever play in that genre. It's difficult because I'm the kind of person who I don't continue playing games if I'm not enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that I can say that I've ever beaten a game that I just didn't like. You know, um, yeah. I will say that I've I've had some games that I've played and beaten that didn't live up to my expectations for them. And they could still be good games, but I think the one that's coming to mind off the top of my head is Abzu. Um, so I I love Journey. 
mm-hmm. uh, made by that game company. I think it's one of the greatest video game experiences ever created. Um, it's a it is just a short, sweet, incredibly impactful game, and it 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 affected me in a in a series of like very deep emotional ways. I, I really yeah. loved it. Um, so then a lot of the artistic talent involved with journey went and, uh, went to a new studio and created Abzu, which based on the trailers looked like it was going to be journey, but underwater yeah. basically. And in some ways it was, the aesthetic was very similar. It had a very beautiful world and environment that it, uh, that it kind of set up and created. And, and in many ways, like traversing the world of Abzu was very fun. Like the the scuba diving mechanic in that game was great. Um, and it was a similar length to Journey. But when I got done with it, I just sort of felt like as neat as that was, it it didn't impact me even close to the same way as journey did it just didn't have the it didn't have the story it didn't have the the vibe and the feel that i was really looking for from it um and again i need to say it's a gorgeous game it's beautiful and it's it it is an achievement in its own way and i'm not saying that i i don't recommend that you know people play it because I, i definitely do it's it's definitely worth some time especially given that it's not that long of a game but it just not it did not live up to what I was hoping to get out of it, which is all on me. That's just me bringing stuff in, into that experience. So um, next up is any update on the Sacred Realms tattoo concepts. Is there a specific target goal you're shooting bef- uh, for before you before getting them? And it's funny because Matt and I were talking about this the other day. Like three days ago. Yeah. And so to answer your, the back half of your question, no, we are not waiting to get those tattoos uh, until we hit like – you know, 5,000 listeners or whatever. Like we, we, we don't have any goals around that. I think our whole thing was like, we decided early on that we were definitely going to get them just because even as early into all of this as having finished Ocarina of Time, we felt like we had achieved something, Mm -hmm. you know, like we, we felt like we were very proud of the product that we've created. And so we're definitely going to get those tattoos. Um, the big limiting factor here is like what to get, you know, and especially for me, like as an artist, Getting tattoos is very difficult because I, uh, especially if I'm like designing them myself, it's very tough to come up with something that I like enough to where I want it permanently on my body, right? Uh, and so, with all that being said, I feel like I might need to actually just commission mine out to somebody else yeah. so that I enjoy it more. But uh, that that's the main reason that it hasn't happened yet. But we are definitely still going to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to add there. This is my sentiment exactly. I, I don't have any tattoos yet, and I've that's going to be probably my first one. Um, my girlfriend and I have been talking a lot about a couple's tattoos ideas as well, and um, like it's not anything that's holding us back outside of just finding the right tattoo to get to commemorate not only Zelda, but also this podcast in a specific way. Um, and so that takes a little bit of doing and, and like we've been on Google and there's a lot of really cool Zelda tattoos out there, but none of them quite encapsulate sacred realms the way that we were kind of wanting. And to Lyndon's point, and I've, I've heard this from multiple artists that when you create a piece and 
you just like nitpick it to death after it's completed. And that's the last thing you want when it's a tattoo that's permanently on your body. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, the, it's the same thing as like why I usually don't hang my own work in the house. Um, the only exception to that is the Wind Waker poster that I made with the GameCube controller. I have that one up in my office because I'm actually like really proud of that. And I, uh, yeah, I've never really gotten never gotten tired of it. So. Well, there you go. All great questions, Dylan. Let's move on to a question from uh, Pope, who, yeah, let's see. I don't <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing the first names, last names is tough. I don't want to yeah, like no, give any. Just, yeah, OK, yeah, so, yeah, this is this is from Pope, a.k.a. Critical Hit 64 on the Discord channel. Uh, so question number one. Out of all the different types of spin-off games that feature Zelda properties, Link uh so like Link's crossbow training, for example, what genre or type of game do you think could do well as like a as like a Zelda spin-off? Yeah. Ocarina Hero. <laughs> yeah, like a Cadence of Hyrule sort of ish, but uh Ocarina, yeah, yeah, I like that. Um I would really love to see a um a more of a combat simulator like in the breath of the wild slash wind waker style of combat where it's like just constant uh you know combat trials like trials of the sword or something but more focused on actual sword shield parries maneuvers dodges etc i think that would be really fun like link's crossbow training but for sword and shield and and arrows as well like i think that would be kind of fun yeah, I think that's that's probably my biggest answer. <laughs> There's a really weird uh, space in my mind, which is uh, it, it's suddenly conjured up a cross between Star Fox 64 and Skyward Sword. Yeah, where you're on a be... you're on a loft wing. Yeah, that would be so fun. A loft wing like in the air shooting thing like, like on you... rails. You yes. know, yes. Yeah. Oh, that would be so cool. I love that answer. Okay. All right. That's what I'm going to go with, with Ocarina, Ocarina Hero as a, as a backup. And I'll go with a loft wing uh, archery contest. Cool. Uh, let's see. Pope also asks, is there a timeline that you prefer to be explored in the Zelda mythos more than another? Um, and I actually think – I think we got one or two questions that are sort of in this, Sim- yeah, yeah, in this yeah. vein. Um, and my answer to this is – and I, I really want to see – more of the i want to see more of the hero of times journeys which one after so the hero of time after after majora like he leaves termina and goes on more adventures as he gets older so child timeline yeah uh, so child timeline hero of time post majora's mask and it would be difficult because we know from the lore that uh that hero died feeling somewhat unfulfilled in the fact that like he had done all these heroic things, but nobody in Hyrule knew about them. And he came back and became a knight of Hyrule. Yeah. Yeah. So I I would really like to see another game where the link of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask is like, is like maybe even saving another dimension. Yeah. You know, I I think it's an interesting concept because there's so much that could be explored about like post-traumatic stress from Majora's Mask. Right. And like, was that a real game? Was it just a dream? Was it, you know, was that Link dying? Like I've heard all of those theories about Majora's Mask, right? Like Link in the afterlife or whatever. And um, my answer is actually exactly the same as the child timeline is probably my favorite. And there's so much there that could be explored even post Link, but pre Twilight Princess. Um, there's there's obviously a huge gap there that I think could be interesting to follow the descendants of that era of Hyrule and see what their lives were like before the Twilight Princess invasion and the rise of Hyrule as a, the grand kingdom it became in Twilight Princess. I think that that's a really cool timeline to explore. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, what, is that your first choice? I mean, yeah, or, that's yeah. my first okay, choice. Okay, yeah, I think. That's my top choice. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, secondary answer is I would like to see more of the Link of The Legend of Zelda and The Adventure of Link. Yeah, the downfall timeline is the secondary most cool, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, because and then that's like the furthest end of that timeline, yeah. right? And we haven't gotten much past that. So, I mean, because that Link, at, at this point, the Triforce has been like reunited in that timeline, mm-hmm. right? So I would really like to see more of the original Link uh, in, in some way, shape or form. That could be a great time. Uh, and finally, Pope says, what advice would you give to listeners who may want to start their own podcast and follow in your legendary footsteps? I wouldn't say our footsteps are legendary, but thank you for the compliment. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, the biggest thing to me and Matt, I'll let you go in a second. The biggest thing is that you need to just sit down and think to yourself, what is something that I'm interested in? And what is an interesting angle to explore in a conversational format? Mm-hmm. Because if if you have that and you're able to like carry on a conversation in an extended format like this, um, you know, if it's something that you can see yourself talking to friends about for several hours at a time, then that's 75 percent of the work right there. Everything else is just technical learning. Uh, you know, it's just like research about what hardware do I need and what software is best for editing. And, um, and, and there is, there is some trial and error involved there, but most of that is just like a little bit of time expenditure to get the knowledge and experience that you need. And then you're ready to actually record a podcast that sounds good. The biggest struggle is just coming up with something interesting and fun to talk about. Yeah. And I think one thing that Linda and I both kind of learned is just, just do it. Like there's, there's no reason not to right? like, outside of the modest monetary investment that can come at the beginning of this thing. Luckily for us, uh, through Lyndon's job, he had the Adobe suite already. And Adobe is what we use for our our, uh, audio editing. That can be easily the most expensive part of any podcast. But like outside of the monetary investment up front for hardware and software, um, there's a million and one podcasts out there. But Something Lyndon and I have discovered is that it is such an enjoyment of our week that it is it has now become probably our most time consuming hobby in a positive way. Like it's it's not rocket science to do a podcast, but it's so much fun. And there's nothing there's nothing outside of the upfront investment stopping you from doing it. And and especially when it was during COVID, which is really when Sacred Realms was birthed, was we just needed something to fill the time and something to do and a, and a hobby to get us uh, out and engaged in the, the world. And, and it's in this very specific way. And um, I would say anybody that really wants to do a podcast and, and has an idea that they're passionate about, if you're passionate about it, somebody else out there in the world is passionate about it as well and will want to listen to you talk about it. Lyndon and I never thought that we would have thousands of people listening to us every week talking about Zelda. We like our most lofty projections at the beginning of this were like, eh, maybe we get 100 or 200 a week. And like we're so far beyond that. And we never, ever expected that that would happen. So just bring your passion and people are attracted to passion. Yeah. And, and, and an addendum to that, if you get to the point where you've got Got that idea and what you're trying to do is increase your reach and increase the diversity of like opinions and stuff on your podcast. What you really need to do is to 
Do some research on existing fan communities around the thing that you're interested in and just make friends online with people who have informed opinions, right? I was kind of lucky in that way because I had already had some connections with the Zelda universe crowd. Like I'd been talking to Cody about one thing or another for a long time um, and I knew Max before we started the podcast. Um, And so between those two people right there, I kind of inherited a really useful network of interesting people to bring on and talk about this stuff. But, you know, most of the time I would say that the internet is a place where, um, there are a lot of really well-intentioned people who just love talking about that thing that you're passionate about. Right. So just learning how to network in that way Mm -hmm. is, is very useful. Um, and then that will lead to, uh, that will lead to a situation where you're able to, uh, create a lot more, like I said, diversity of opinion around the topic that you're discussing. Mm -hmm. And, and that really helps keep things fresh week over week. For sure. So, and if any of you, uh, have a podcast idea that you think is awesome, uh, on the Discord channel, just throw it out there and see if anybody on our community is uh, also interested in it. We're happy to, you know, grow those seeds of inspiration. Yeah. And if you have any technical questions, especially about hardware or software or anything, more than happy to answer questions about that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, rising tide raises all boats and all that thing. Indeed. Yeah, yeah it really does. Uh, so we blew right past a really interesting one from Dark Nook that I'm going to go back to says if and when sacred realms comes to an end yet you still have the podcast bug what other topics or interests could you see yourself wanting to podcast about and this is a big question because matt and i have talked a lot about like well what happens when we're out of zelda games to play which by the way won't be for another like three years so this is a very long way off in the future to be clear we plan on covering all zelda games at some point in time even if they're released well after the you know, structured run that we have right now will spin up probably another season and, yeah, and, and I, do that. And I could honestly see us even like, I know we said at the, at the top of the podcast that we were not going to be doing like Triforce Heroes or Four Swords Adventures or stuff like that. But I mean, why the hell not? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I could, I could see a world where we kind of incorporate those two, but, uh, but to answer the bigger question, what happens when we are out of Zelda games and we don't have enough new content to make a podcast about like a book club style podcast about Zelda games week to week. Mm -hmm. And that's a really interesting question because I, I myself and Matt, you can, I'm not sure even where you're at with this. I'm of two minds about this. On the one hand, I think that I could, you know, Thanos style, see myself watching the sunrise on a grateful world, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) yeah, like, oh, I've done my good work and now I shall rest. Yeah, I could I could see myself like I'm not in this as a job feeling like I need to continue doing it in perpetuity just because, you know, Um you know, and if and if it is the situation where we spin things down at the end of our Zelda run and just come back as applicable whenever a new Zelda game comes out, then I, I could see a world where that's happening. And, you know, that does carry with it some unfortunate realities uh, in terms of like podcast metrics, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because you start losing reach when you do that. Like you start being featured a little bit 
less. And, uh, um, and, and that is unfortunate. Like the nature of the, of podcasting as a business is that if you want to continue expanding forever, you have to continue creating more. content on a, on a schedule. Right. Um, but I don't know that I care about that too much Yeah, to be honest. This is not our full-time paying job, right? Like this is a hobby that has turned into a little bit of a side hustle where we're not, we're, we're covering expenses and we're having a little bit of extra money for like date night every once in a while. But it, it's not a, we're not in this to make money. This has always been a, this would be a really fun hobby that we're very passionate about that um, I think a lot of other people are interested in. And that's kind of where we're at with it. Yeah. Now that being said, uh, I definitely think, so I I do love podcasting just in and of itself. It it is a very fun hobby. And there are certainly lots of other things that Matt and I are both passionate enough about to talk about in a format. Yeah. In a format like this, both Nintendo and not, um, you know, do our patrons and followers of Sacred Realms Pod care about any of those things as much as Zelda? Yeah. Maybe, probably not. I don't know. That's kind of a factor, too. We want to make stuff that our listeners want to listen to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that that definitely makes it kind of difficult. I will say that in the future, we will dabble in some more experimental stuff just to see kind of how it goes. So mm-hmm. um, obviously, we had our bonus episode a few seasons back where we talked about Metroid Dread, which wasn't a Zelda game at all. Um, but I actually got a, an interesting text today, Matt, from uh, Adam. Oh, yeah. So uh, my childhood best friend, he was actually so the detective Mike and I were roommates in college and our third roommate was my best friend, Adam. And, uh, uh, you know, he lives in uh, he lives far away from here. And so it's not practical for him to be on this show in the same way that uh, the detective is. But he did say, hey, look, um, you know, we used to play a ton of Pokemon together and definitely couldn't be a week to week thing. But if you wanted to, if you wanted to, like, play Scarlet and Violet or maybe go back and play Heart Gold and Soul Silver or something like that and then just record a four episode series over the course of several months you know and just drop those as like interesting little extra tidbits um and, and like I I think that that sounds like fun and I think that might be something that happens in the future and we just like see how you know to what extent people enjoy it you know mm-hmm. but uh in terms of do we have a, a an ongoing plan for what happens when we run out of Zelda games no we don't uh, and I think that uh, mostly because it's too far in the future to think about right yeah now. it's too far in the future to think about right now and honestly once we get to the end of this thing and we've we've cataloged and reviewed the whole series of Zelda games as they exist <laughs> at that time, I think Matt and I will both feel very proud of having done that, you know, like For sure. so. Yeah, I don't have too much more to add other than like most of our other interests um, outside of that, you know, revolve around and would cater to a very different group of the community that we've cultivated. And we're so proud and thankful for the community that we have and. I don't think that we really want to alienate that community or uh, try to spin up a second community to also be involved in. So like it's, it's becomes an economy of time as well. Like you are married and you have a one and a half year old. I'm planning on being at that point in my life at, at some point in the future. And like, Time is is a commodity that is not unlimited. So those types of things are huge considerations. Hey, Matt, take a picture of Floof Lord and drop it in the chat real quick. Oh, Floof Lord. <laughs> okay, so Matt's going to drop a cute picture of Gatsby in the chat real fast here. But yeah, I, so anyway, I think that's our answer. But that being said, if anyone 
in our Discord community or anyone listening to this episode at all wants to drop us some opinions about things that they think it would be interesting for us to discuss in this sort of format, then, you know, let us know. We're, we're open to that. And uh, nothing is really off the table. Um, and like Matt said, we have the benefit of a long, long time before we need to make that decision. So there you go. All right. Let's move on to another one. Let's see. Who do we have here? Fallout 907 says, if someone had never played a Zelda game before, what would you recommend for a first Zelda game? We've got a real quick and easy answer for this one. Uh, go back and listen to our bonus episode that we did. Excuse me. Go back and listen to our bonus episode that we did with the brothers over at Hyrule Podcasters, where we had a very long and lengthy discussion about this. Um, and our answer was uh, just spoiler alert, uh, Link's Awakening remake on the Switch. And it is actually a game that we have both. That is a wonderful sound. It is a game that both of us have gotten our uh, his wife and my girlfriend to play a little bit of. And uh, they have actually said that they've enjoyed it very much. Um, Link's Awakening HD remake on the Switch is the uh, bona fide pick from all four members of Hyrule Podcasters and Sacred Realms. Yeah, I think. And the reason we said so at the time is because, one, so many people have Switches. Like, the Switch is just a very... A prolific console, you know? And so if you're, if you're talking to somebody who's never played a Zelda game before and, you know, maybe they have a switch or they have a, they have a switch to play the games they like, or they've got one to play stuff with their kids like Mario Kart or whatever. Um, Link's Awakening remake is just a really, really good entry point, even though it's a top down and not a 3d, I still think it's probably the best distillation of what Zelda is in a very digestible format and it's a fantastic game so uh so yeah that's definitely our answer to that one we've got a few really good ones from max nichols here so i'm gonna let's let's rapid fire these how's that sound matt let's do it if zelda was a sport what sport would it be uh uh tennis well boss fights yes (laughs) (laughs) um skyward sword would be quidditch Mm, it kind of varies by Zelda game. Like, uh, Wind Waker would be rowing. Um, Ocarina of Time would be cross country. <laughs> you know, running around. Okay, sure. Yeah, why, yeah, not, yeah. Yeah. why not? Why, why not? not? Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, wow. I'm sticking with, I'm sticking with Master Sword Energy Ball Tennis. All right. I think Master Sword Energy Ball Tennis works. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> okay. Uh, silent Link, yay or nay? So yes. this is this is the concept of Link as a silent protagonist. Yes. Hard, yes. hard Absolutely yay. Absolutely yes. Yes, yes. I don't want, I don't want Link to be talking. Uh, people around him can talk. Um, but yeah, I want Link to be the same way that he's really always been. And that goes double for if it's ever adapted into a, a movie. I was going to say, uh, this kind of precludes Zelda from becoming an an adaptation of either TV show or movie, which after the travesty that is the Witcher TV show, I never want that to happen ever in my life. Well, okay. Matt, as per usual, has strong feelings. I have never been accused of strong opinions in my life. Never once. You're a liar. You're accused of that on a daily basis. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so, um, man, Max, you get you got us some bangers here, buddy. Uh, playing as Zelda in a future game, yay or nay? Yes. Um, 
Yes, specifically in the context of I still want Link to be the main protagonist, but I am all about a uh, a dual node, almost Halo 5 style of game where you kind of switch back and forth, except Halo 5 was a bad example of this because Halo 5 was a bad game in general. But if it was a good game done the right way, that style of play like Halo 2 would be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially, you know, we talked a lot this season about escort missions in dungeons, mm-hmm. right? Where you have characters that are hanging out with you um, and they have unique sets of abilities that help you solve puzzles in dungeons. And I don't know that I would want Zelda to be an escort mm-hmm. character in that way. But I think that if you had a dungeon system where you were able to swap control between Zelda and Link, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I know with the command melody, you are technically doing that in the Wind Waker, but like in a more, I don't know, like in, in less of a uh, in less of a way where it's like you're taking control of other characters, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I, I think it would be really cool to have a game where Zelda is a much more active participant and and frankly i think that that's kind of long overdue yeah i I think personally for me i'd like to see where zelda gets her own kind of path that at some point is meant to intersect with links which is exactly how i see halo 2's structure of master chief and arbiter they have completely disparate storylines but the storylines for both characters are parallel and are meant to intersect at the end which happens in halo 3 and like I like Halo 3 as well, and its co-op system is great. It'd be a great co-op game also, but um, I think it would be really interesting to see Zelda have her own adventure with her own set of abilities, with her own set of characteristics and, and um, items maybe um, that would really benefit well. And I think it would could go very well into a game. It couldn't be like Breath of the Wild where it's wide open like that. It would have to be a more structured game like Skyward Sword. So. And I'm thinking specifically, like, if you had Skyward Sword, but you also got to play from Zelda's perspective where the dungeons were more stealth missions, but she also had more abilities outside of just stealth, I think could have been really fun. Yeah. Uh, Next one from Max. Option to play as Link with she, her pronouns and a feminine body type in a future game, yay or nay. So Linkle, I think, is kind of what we're talking about here. Um, And... This is this is a bit more of a loaded one. I look the last thing at the risk of sounding non-progressive for the same reason that I would never want Samus Aaron to be a dude to be a dude. Um, I, I kind of want Link to remain as he is going mm-hmm. forward, especially when going back to the last question, we have a firmly established in canon uh, female strong female yeah, strong female main character that that is is right there yep. for us to be taking taking that opportunity with um especially given that like she's the the titular character of the series right like i think that uh in a lot of ways if we got a game where linkle was your main character before we got the opportunity to play zelda as a main character yeah i i I don't know that that's the way that i would want that to go yeah and i think from the various uh pre-referenced political tangents that we go on everybody who listens regularly to our show knows that lyndon and i are very progressive in that way and modern and like we we stand female empowerment, etc. But there is no need to take an established character and make them something else, especially when you already have an established a character, an established character there that you can just use. There's there's no need, in my opinion. I think uh, to echo everything Lyndon just said, like 
to to make a game with Winkle as the main character instead of utilizing the female protagonist that you have would be wrong and mm. would be a disservice to that character. Now, that being said, the, the 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 proof is in the product with all of this stuff. Right. And there are a lot of there are a lot of entertainment properties that have done like gender bending of established <laughs> characters in certain ways. Like I'm a big old Battlestar Galactica fan. And uh, I love Katie Sackhoff as Starbuck, mm-hmm. where Starbuck was uh, was played by Dirk Benedict in the original series. So, like, um, you know, I'm not saying that this is a thing that couldn't be done well. And a lot of times it's something that people are hesitant to say they would accept mm-hmm. until it's been done and been done well. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> look, we're, we're all just this. <laughs> we're, this is all entertainment, right? So if Nintendo felt like they could do that and make a good product out of it, then I would still be there on day one and i would give it an honest to goodness shot for sure we're not saying that we wouldn't play a zelda game if linkle was the main character that's not what we're saying what we're saying is they already have a strong female protagonist that they should utilize before creating a different strong female protagonist yeah okay and last one from max for now is it a good or bad thing that nintendo published an official timeline in hyrule historia I think it's a good thing for me. One of the main enjoyments I have about having an established timeline is um, exploring the games within that structure. I think one of the things we talked about, actually, I think two weeks ago with Josh was before the established timeline was out, or maybe this was even last season. I don't remember. It all blends together a little bit. Um, People were saying like a Link's Awakening takes place within the context of Adventure of Link because he just got like uh, marooned or he got shipwrecked traveling between Eastern Hyrule and Western Hyrule. And like when you have that level of um, uncertainty, it can cause too much confusion to where it's like you can't connect the dots as much. I guess a bigger question would be, do you think Zelda games should have a cohesive timeline at all or should they be self-contained adventures? And I think that's a different but related question. Personally, I like the fact that Zelda has a structured timeline. The games fall within that and you can discuss and explore and enjoy those games within the context of the overall whole. It's very much a... um, a series that has spinoffs, right? And I, and I like series that are fleshed out enough to have various spinoffs that do well, like prequels and sequels when they're done well, I think just adds to the overall lore and context of a franchise. And I think Hyrule Historia has kind of been a benefit in that way. Yeah, so kind of where I'm at with this is that I like that it exists. I like that there's some official confirmation about this from Nintendo just because it is something that people have been interested in, you know, like the the conversation around where do certain Zelda games fit in on a timeline and how do they interconnect with others? That's something that people have been talking about in chat rooms and whatnot for a very, very long time. So clearly there's an interest in that topic. Um, I I do not believe that the Zelda games themselves should present that timeline in a more apparent way than mm-hmm. they already do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that. Mm-hmm. I think that the 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 uh, I think that the isolated experience of each game should take 100 percent precedence and everything after that should just be table dressing. Yep. You know, totally agree. But that being said, I'm glad that it exists and I'm glad that it's there for people who want to seek it out. Um, and I don't think it's like. 
egregious. It's not egregious. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, like how many people have really read Hyrule Historia is the thing. Like big, big old Zelda fans have it and have read it. I haven't even read Hyrule Historia. I've skimmed a decent amount of it. I've never read the whole thing. Yeah, it's just a it's fun bonus context if you want to seek it out. But it is it is not required and it should not be required for the series going forward. Each game is the turkey at Thanksgiving dinner and the timeline in which it falls is the stuffing and the mashed potatoes. Well, the stuffing is one of my favorite parts. That's exactly why. Uh, yeah, but maybe see, it's not for everybody. Exactly. Yay. <laughs> cool. The analogy, the analogy, the analogy just, pans out. It worked out. It worked out just so well. Um, yeah, cool. No, I, I completely agree. That's definitely how I feel about that one. Uh, let's see. Ooh, okay. Let's take this one from Aiden, who actually just joined us in the chat. Hi, Aiden. Hope you're having a good one. Uh, Aiden says, first question, are non-Zelda questions allowed in this? And yes. the answer is yes, they absolutely are. Uh, what non-video game music has been on loop for you recently? And do you have a pick for song or album or artist of the year. Um, you know, <laughs> well, okay. So just to answer that question straight up, what have I been listening to the most? Uh, that would be Taylor Swift because my wife controls Spotify in the car. <laughs> uh, the answer is also the same for me because my girlfriend generally does the same and she is the biggest Swifty. So, uh, for me myself, um, oh man, you know, uh, I love the gorillas. They're great, and they are actually having kind of a resurgence right now and putting out a lot of new material. Um, and so, yeah, they, they've got some stuff that they've been putting out this year uh, leading up to a new album release with the um, – crap, what is the name of this new album they're working on? I can't remember off the top know, of my head. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, they're, they're constantly doing new stuff and continuing to like iterate in really exciting ways, and I, I really enjoy their music. Uh, but to be honest with you, whenever I'm looking for just like some some good vibes um, and I just I, like I just want a nice chill experience. Um, yeah, jazz. One hundred percent. The Miles Davis playlist on Spotify. Mm, oh, so good. Chef's kiss. Miles Davis is a legend yet to be surpassed. Probably never will be. So big jazz fan. Um, but that is a that is a really great question for. Let's see for song, album or artist of the year. That's really tough. I don't follow a lot of popular music, honestly, like it's it's not a big priority of mine <clears throat> for so for me most of what i listen to day in and day out i have like a 10 hour um s- playlist on spotify of various video game and movie and tv show music that my younger brother and i have collabed on to put together and that's my work playlist that just plays while i'm working during the day it is uh, stuff without words because my job is mostly email and phone calls, so I don't want anything with words going on in the background to distract me. I'm ADD and ADHD all over the place, so if there's words, then I my emails get messed up. So I listen to just a ton of Destiny, Halo, Witcher, um, Avatar The Last Airbender, um, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of stuff on there that I listen to pretty much on a nonstop loop. Um, As far as non-video game music, I mostly go with folky music like uh, Mumford and Sons is one of my favorites. Um, Even their newer stuff is really good. I I like it a lot. Um, Jazz is is always a constant. Uh, I mostly go with seasonal jazz. So like whenever it's um, winter, the winter jazz playlist goes a lot for me. Autumn jazz is one of my favorites on Spotify. Um, 
Yeah, I mostly go for music that has a certain um, aesthetic and a vibe that sets the room and my mood um, is mostly what I kind of tune into. <laughs> um I, I I am known to play the uh, Tron Legacy soundtrack on oh, repeat. I love the Tron Legacy soundtrack. All right, punk uh, baby. Yeah, R.I.P. Daft Punk. Yeah, man. seriously. Yeah. Also, one thing we didn't talk about. I can't believe we have time. We're both wearing shirts for this band. <laughs> one of our oldest and most favorite bands that I've been following these guys since 2003, and I've been to probably 15 different live shows. And I've been to most of those with you. Yeah. Uh, Coheed and Cambria. Matt and I are both huge Coheed and Cambria fans, and we're just co- completely coincidentally both wearing Coheed and Cambria tour shirts tonight. Yep. So and they're our favorite, like, I would say they're our favorite non-instrumental band. They're they're a fun like prog rock sci-fi influenced narrative band. Um, highly talented musicians, and I you know I haven't been as into their newer stuff as some of the older stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, but still definitely keep up with Coheed and Cambria, and they are also releasing new music. Um, they just put out a new album this year. Vaxis Two is the second S- installment of a new yeah, saga Secrets they're working of the waking on. Mind? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and so, you know, they're they're incredibly talented. And uh, yeah, Coheed and Cambria, always going to be a big one uh, for both of us, I think. Um, and just to cheat the question a bit in terms of video game soundtracks that I listen to a lot that are not Zelda. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so a lot of the Destiny music uh, of, of years gone by is incredible. Um Biased, I know, but Bungie is a studio that's put out excellent music for all of their releases. I mean, just top notch. But I listen to the Hyperlight Drifter soundtrack a lot. It's amazing. Disaster Piece is an incredible, uh, an incredible musical artist, uh, incredible composer. And yeah, that Hyperlight Drifter soundtrack is incredible. So uh, great question, Aiden. Really appreciate it. Let's go back up to uh, let's go back up to Fallout 907, who says, in y'all's opinion, what is the best drink to have while playing slash talking about Zelda <laughs> whiskey? Yeah, I mean, it's whatever whiskey of the week. Like <laughs> That was the easiest question of the night. Whiskey is the answer. Whiskey is the answer. We're not picky. Matt's a scotch guy. I'm a little bit more bourbon and rye, but but we, we flex in and out. The one thing I really don't do a lot of is Japanese whiskey. Lyndon loves a Japanese whiskey. I personally don't. So, um, you know, whatever floats your boat in the whiskey category. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of a good Japanese whiskey for sure. Um, Centauri Toki is a great summertime sipping whiskey. And Nika from the Barrel is a actually somewhat scotch adjacent tasting whiskey that still has a lot of Japanese flavors to it. Nika from the barrel is maybe one of my favorite whiskeys of all time. And if you can find it, then I I highly recommend you going for it. um, If you're into the sipping of of brown liquors. Um, Okay. So Max says, what non Nintendo game studio would you like to see try making a main series Zelda game other than Capcom, which has already made three? Yeah. And those were all great. Uh, but yeah, I think we have to exclude Capcom from this conversation, unfortunately. Um, you know what? This is actually kind of an interesting opinion because it would probably be pretty Twilight Princess uh, aesthetic adjacent is uh, Nordic Studios, who did the Darksiders games. Um, the first Darksiders game with War was probably one of the best Zelda likes that I've played um, in a long time. And uh, I mean, I played it a long time ago. It was probably in high school when it came out. But um, Darksiders is an excellent uh, game and an excellent example of a dungeon crawler, open world, explorey kind of um, uh, game type that I think they could do a really good job with a darker tone Zelda game that I think would be interesting and fun. 
Yeah. Um, so mine is actually going to be, let's see. So I, I think I talked with Max about this on one of our episodes not too long ago. I, uh, I and many other people loved Celeste when it came out mm-hmm. a few years ago. And that game was made at the time. The studio was called Maddie Makes Games. I think they have a new name now. It's extremely it, it's EXOK, which stands for Extremely OK Games. And <laughs> they're currently working on a new title, which I was very excited to see announced in the Game Awards this year. Um, but I loved Celeste. Maddie Thorson, who uh, is kind of the main uh, the main producer and, and kind of like the creative lead of that studio, is uh, is a genius. Um who really understands how to make a a pixel art game feel good and to have a really buttery smooth feeling celeste was incredible in that way and obviously celeste is a side-scrolling platformer which is not completely within the realm of things that we're talking about but i i think that that crew could make something really spectacular um especially if they were to do like a top-down zelda game uh and and nintendo allowed them to go in more of like a um, a vintage kind of more retro pixel art style. I think that they could probably capture the specific feeling of the best top-down Zelda games. Um, and, and I think that they would do a really good job. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's see. Spaceman says, for any future home remodels, you get to have a Zelda room based on one of the Zelda games. Which game (laughs) which game do you choose and how do you decorate it? Which game clears it with the wife? (laughs) (laughs) Let's assume that we have blanket wife permission for anything, which that's a big assumption. But (laughs) but let's assume for the purposes of the discussion that we have that. Dang. Skyward Sword. I think it treads the line of Wind Waker's happy um, aesthetic that I would want in a room. Like, I wouldn't want anything dark. So you wouldn't want Majora's Mask. You wouldn't want Twilight Princess. Even Ocarina of Time can be a little dark for, I think, the back half of the game. So, you know, you want something when it's a room in your home. You want the energy in that room to be bright and positive and good and and, um, conducive to what you want to accomplish in that space. And for me, this would obviously be my gaming space. So I would want something that would kind of imbue that room with that kind of energy. So definitely a skyward sword skyloft, um, aesthetic room for me. Yeah. So part, uh, so I would actually say skyward sword as well. I think that would be a very cozy feeling room and skyward sword had this cool thing where you have a lot of like very highly looking regalia hanging yeah. from the walls, yeah. banners and stuff, you know? Um, I think that that would be, that would be a very creatively, a satisfying space to do work in, you know, especially if it was like my studio, you know, and there's a lot of plush like furniture that's uh, available. Yeah. Yeah. Very comfy armchairs. Yep. Yep. All about that. Uh, Spaceman part two says, say you started to collect a Zelda memorabilia um, collection. Uh, What would your dream item to have be? Mm. This is hard for me because I already own a functional replica, like a, a, a pretty, (laughs) <laughs> a pretty bougie replica of the Ocarina of Time. So I've already got that. Mm-hmm. Mm. <sighs> For me, it's it's really... I think it's two things that go together like butter and bread. I would want a very high-quality, well-done replica of the Master Sword and the Hylian Shield. And like... To in order to hang them, which um, Hylian shield do you want? I want the 
I want the Skyward Sword Hylian Shield. That's the, the one I would. That's yeah. the one I would the, pick the, too. The classic Hylian Shield. I want that, and I and hang them um, coat of arms style in, in that room. I think just because. Uh, so I I agree. The, the the Skyward Sword slash Breath of the Wild incarnation of the Hylian Shield, which is, is aesthetically just a little bit different from like the Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess ones. Um, I think that's my favorite version of the Hylian Shield. Uh, my answer to this question is, hmm. you know, honestly, I would want a very realistic replica of the Link to the Past, uh, Link's Awakening era shield because it looks, it looks very unique. It's a really cool looking shield and it hasn't actually been iterated on very much in present games. I was actually shocked that it was not an amiibo item in -hmm. Breath of the Wild. Which, uh, so I'm, I'm tangenting now. Which Master Sword aesthetically is your favorite? Oh, Skyward Sword Breath of the Wild. So I I agree, but a very close second for me is Twilight Princess. I like the longer, thinner blade that Twilight Princess has. I think it looks really cool. See, I was actually going to say my my second place is Ocarina of Time. You like the thicker, more broadsword? Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's much more distinct. You know, like it's got a it's got a very specific look. Uh, that's you know like it's definitely evolved since then but ocarina of time was such an important game for me in my life i i I think i would love to have a replica of that one but honestly i think my biggest answer for this is just i would love to have a you know no cheapo depot like you went to joanne fabrics and threw this thing together in an afternoon i want like a high quality thick material slightly weathered just uh, I, I want a blue Zora Sunic. Uh, n- no, a blue on red uh, banner featuring Ooh. the crest of the Knights of Hyrule. Yeah. And I would just hang that for my wall. Yeah. No, that would be that would be incredible. And there's I've looked extensively for stuff like that online and there's nothing that doesn't look cheap. Yeah. And that's the trouble. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's probably my answer. And finally, from Spaceman, <laughs> who is the worst actor to voice Link in a future Legend of Zelda film? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh man. You know what? I just said that for the for the meme quality of it all, but uh honestly, everything I've seen from that Mario movie looks pretty great so far. So, I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to give Chris Pratt an honest shot before I start trashing it. I'll go see it and it, look if it's bad, then I'll be honest about it. But uh uh but definitely not Chris Pratt. Actually, my answer is uh <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> That's so much better than the one that I was off the top of my head. My first answer was The Rock. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, hey, hey, here's another one. You ready for this? I am. Christopher Walken. Oh, dude, that would be so bad. Oh, no. Who's the guy that does C-3PO? Anthony. Anthony uh, Daniels? Yeah, Anthony Daniels. Oh, but but look, you got to respect a legend, you know? I he mean. is a legend, but also C-3PO as Link is just not great. <laughs> Man. I'm just I can't get over Christopher Walken as Link now. It's like, uh, you, you know, I, we got to go to the uh, we got to go to the castle and we got to rescue the uh, princess. Navi, you got to explore the space. You got to explore the space. I got a fever and the only cure is more ocarina. Your Christopher Walken is not great, but also no, but also not. mine's pretty terrible. Like, so. look, we're not in this to be voice actors. We know this about ourselves. <laughs> That's why we don't do impressions on the pod. Yeah, but who would be worse between Christopher Walken and Nicolas Cage? 
Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. There you go. There's your answer, Christopher Walken. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we got another one from Tiffany the Star. Uh, have you guys played any two-player co-op games together that you enjoyed? Also, if you have before, uh, what are each other's strengths or weaknesses? Like, uh, so t- uh, Tiffany gives an example. Her brother would tell you about my happy feet in any platform or the second I miraculously land where I wanted to jump. I somehow still managed to hop around in a panic until I walk off the edge, which is something that happens to me a lot when I play side scrolling Mario games, just by the way, yeah, like obnoxious. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, we we played a lot of co-op games together when we were growing up. I mean, uh, so we played a lot of co-op Halo. Back in oh, the day. yeah, that was the big one for sure. Like Halo, Halo 2, Halo 3, even Halo Combat Evolved. Like we did all of those games. We would beat them ourselves and then we would go do the legendary on co-op. And of course, I mean, the easy answer here is Matt and I have played a <laughs> ton of Destiny together. I mean, an absolute ungodly amount of Destiny together. That's absolutely true. Um, let's see. Other we did Goldeneye a lot on N64 together. Uh, not only not only together, but against each other. Um, what else? I mean, like we've played so many games together. It's hard to like. Yeah. So uh, so this is not a game that you and I have played cooperatively together, but one that I think would actually be pretty fun. Uh, I love Portal 2's co-op campaign that would be fun to do we should do that yeah we should do that um i think that would actually be like a really really great time yeah and especially now that it's like so it's on the xbox it's on switch there's like a million ways to play portal 2 now so so yeah we've done a ton of co-op games together but what are our strengths and weaknesses in a light-hearted manner we're not going too deep on this yeah i feel like when we play especially like halo and destiny and stuff i'm very much like a devil may care kind of like russian and die immediately get real killed sort of thing you know (laughs) yes you are um (laughs) and and you know uh i enjoy myself and my time playing these games and so it's you know and then you waste all of our lives when we're playing competitive destiny you get knocked in trials immediately right out of the gate hey you know what i do okay in trials i actually do better when i'm playing freelance by myself than i ever do playing with you or other people yeah that's like, because you don't work as a team you're not a team player Lyndon. some you people go off by yourself some people are just lone wolves matt Lyndon is a leroy jenkins and that is the most accurate <laughs> description of Lyndon playing competitive <laughs> destiny that i've ever heard <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. Thank you, Dylan, for that. It is accurate. Oh my gosh. It's true. It's really true. Look, I enjoy myself. That's all. That's the most I can say about that. Okay. See, but Tiffany, I'm also a shotgun main. I just know how to do it and position myself correctly to where I don't also get picked immediately at the same time. Unlike Lyndon, who runs in there and says, I got that guy half, but I'm dead. And all three of the other dude's teammates are around him. So I can't do anything about it. Now, I will say when I'm playing freelance, not with you or other people, I typically do better just because as a fusion rifle player, I'm actually a little bit more cautious and like pretty good at keeping that medium distance yeah. you know um it that that goes a little bit better for me it, it's very tough for me to do well playing with you yeah <laughs> i don't know why all you have to do is play more cautious but you don't <sighs> okay anyway strengths let's go with strengths because i think we just covered your weaknesses oh, pretty well strengths uh um 
I'm I'm a very complimentary player. I'm all about those. I'm all about those uh, good feels and good vibes and, and compliments yeah. during gameplay. Yeah, you know, sure. good team spirit yeah, is what I bring to the good, table. Good pick or uh, good cover. Yeah, you you do throw out the compliments pretty regularly. Um, my strengths is I'm just a superior video gamer. That's just all. This is what it comes down Dude, to. Dude, you know what? <laughs> the older that you get. And the more responsibilities that you have weighing on your mind has a direct proportionate relationship on the amount to which you are a less good video game player. I have actually gotten in like significantly worse at video games over the last like six plus months now that I'm in a committed relationship. <laughs> it's like it's it's noticeable and it's bad, <laughs> but also good because you well, have yeah, real life for, things yeah, that you're doing good like, for yeah. real life things. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um I don't know. I think one of the things that I really bring to the table, not only in Lyndon's and mine's relationship, but in the relationship that I have with most of my friend group is I I do a lot of research and I know a lot about the lore of almost every game that I play. Lore is one of the things that I find most intriguing about video games in general and um, fantasy worlds in general as well. Like all the books that I've read, the movies that I've watched. I'm a notorious fall down the Wikipedia hole uh, kind of person. And so one thing I kind of pride myself on bringing to a lot of games and a lot of um, other aspects of nerddom is context. And I love to share that with people. And I'm, I'm known in my friend group as if you have a lore question on a game that Matt has played, go ask him and he will be able to answer it for you pretty extensively. And that's something that I think I do very well. And I, I enjoy doing a lot. Yep. Totally agree. All right. Let's get to another one from Haru the Mighty, who says, if you could invent your own Zelda game anywhere in the timeline, tell us about, oh, you know, we already answered, we already answered this one. We did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, child timeline, yeah. post-Majora's Mask. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It so, is a great question. Yeah, I knew it cropped up again. Uh, okay, so this one comes from Josh from ZU, a frequent uh, co-contributor Thank on the you. podcast. When ranking and reviewing a Zelda game, what matters to you the least? Ooh, ooh. See, this is a tough question because when you're talking about what matters to you the most, for me, it's usually actually down to aesthetic. And for me, it's usually story. What matters to me the least? Um, huh. That's really tough. I, so I actually, I would say what matters to me the least is the amount to which I'm able to discover mid-tier secrets. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, like, like Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. Well, but 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 like, if I go through a Zelda game and I haven't spent a lot of my time bombing walls to find heart pieces, then that doesn't really take yeah, away not, from the game I'm a lot about that at all. for yeah. me. You know, it's it's nice to have, but mm-hmm. it, it's mostly just a means to an end, right? Uh, it's mostly just like I want more heart containers, and the actual discovery of that like one little rinky-dink puzzle is not a huge deal for me. So your ability to 100% complete a Zelda game is, would you, is that? How you oh yeah, that? definitely yeah. not. No, 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 no. Like, I mean, well, and, and Korok seeds are honestly probably the best example of this. Sure. Like, look, I appreciate that some people really take pride in being able to grab all 900, whatever of those things, but I've never been a completionist. Mm hmm. Uh, as a gamer in, in really any game that I play, what I what I spend my time doing are the things that 
that I have the most personal fulfillment in collecting. And I'm really good at sorting through those things like in Red Dead Redemption, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I've got lots of different ways that I'm going to spend all my time doing side quests and whatnot, you know, getting new guns or side quests or meeting new characters. Like I don't mind going off the beaten path to spend a lot of time doing those things, but am I going to spend an extra 15 hours on that game trying to get like a perfect coyote pelt or whatnot? Like, no, I'm not going to do that. A lot of people are, and I'm just not that kind of gamer. And, and so whenever Zelda games try to do a similar thing, if it's, if it's uh, if it's a conversation of reaching 100% completion just for the sake of doing it, I'm almost never going to do that. It's got to have some kind of tangible in-game benefit for mm-hmm. me in order for it to be worth that time. And by a tangible in-game benefit, it's like worth the value. You don't need 15 hearts when you already have 13 hearts. Like there's just no need to have that many, right? I, I, I actually 100% agree with you because – I would say that I am a completionist for most games that I play when it comes to side quests and story. Like if I want every time that I play Mass Effect and The Witcher and every time that I play Skyrim, I complete the side quests and the main story. And by side quests and Skyrim, I don't mean the infinitely repeatable bounties. I mean, like I go do the Wizards College and the Companions and the Dark Brotherhood and the Thieves Guild. And like I complete those main what you would call quotes air quotes that you can't see because it's not a visual medium uh, mainline side quests like those are the things that I invest time in I don't care about finding that random pickaxe on the top of the tallest mountain in Skyrim that has like a plus seven electricity I don't care about that like some people do I don't and I think that that carries a lot into how I feel about Zelda games in general I have no desire to go complete every treasure map in the Wind Waker I don't care. Like I, I will do them if they're in my path. I will do them if I need rupees. I don't care to go complete and to go get and complete all 38 treasure maps. That's just not something I care about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's basically where I'm at with it as well. Um, as an extension to Josh's question, though, I mean, obviously, he, you know, uh, he was taking the most controversial path, which is like yeah. what, what matters least. Uh, what matters to you most? The to me, it is the story and the emotional investment with which I have in that game. And that directly correlates to how much I care about seeing that game all the way through to completion and what that does to the characters in the world in which it happens. And um, the games that I rate most highly and have done so far in our ranking, I think would agree with that. Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, um, Wind Waker is getting up there. Link's Awakening all just have really great stories, really great character development. And the ending of that story is impactful to those characters and to the place in which uh, the story takes place. And I think all of that together is really the most important thing to me. Yep. Cool. Yep. Uh, Totally understandable. I know this about you. I respect it. That's probably my number two, honestly. I I just love aesthetic in these games so much. Uh, So I think we're basically at the end of questions that have been submitted. After an hour and a half. After an hour and a half. Yeah. So uh, seriously, so many of these were excellent. Really, really love everybody who wrote something in. Uh, these were all very thoughtful and gave us a lot of really fun stuff to talk about. I think we, we both had a great time. I mean, this was really fun. We yeah, should I had, do this more often. Yeah, I had a great time. So before we get out of here, Matt, 
I have two questions that I wanted to. Oh, you have two. I have two that I wanted to bring to the table. All right, bring Uh, them. So, okay. Question number one. Of the games that you have not played Mm -hmm. that we still have yet to play in the future, Mm -hmm. which one do you think you're going to like the most? Wow. Of the games that we have not played, not including Wind Waker, of uh, and of the games that you have not played, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like Majora's Mask is off the table. Like sure. any game you have not played, which which one do you think you're going to like the most? Just for whatever reason. Yeah, that list is actually kind of small now um, because let me see. I think I'm going to have. I think I'm going to have to go with um, Oracle of Seasons because I remember liking Oracle of Ages a lot. And um, I am enjoying the top downs more than I did originally. So um, I'm very excited to play Oracle of Seasons in conjunction with Oracle of Ages and to see how those stories connect and intertwine and how the the finished package kind of comes about. So, yeah, Oracle of Seasons is my cool. Uh, my answer to that question is actually Phantom Hourglass. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I, I think... I think I'm actually, you know, I've spent so much of my adult life avoiding the two DS Zelda games, uh, Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Tracks, because to me, the stylus controls just, they they, it seemed so off-putting, but I don't know, you know, uh, having had a few years to think about it, I can see a world in which that actually that style of control actually sort of ends up appealing to me in a in a weird way. Yeah. And I, I think Phantom Hourglass could actually be one that I really enjoy. That's probably the one that I'm like, you know, that could actually end up being sort of a ringer and coming mm-hmm. back from behind and being a, somewhat of a player. Yeah, sure. In my, in Top my, 10? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Who's to say? So the other question I have for you, Matt. Yes. If you... If you thought that you were going to possess any piece of the Triforce Ooh. and oh, no. you can completely divorce uh, the lore implications of people who have previously held it. So like yeah. so like the Triforce of Power is not inherently evil sure. for the purposes of this question. Right. Uh, if you thought there was any piece of the Triforce that aligned itself to you specifically, which one would it be? Uh, to, to the Triforce of Power, honestly, like I, I, it, it has such versatile use. It's almost like a uh, a, a win button uh, for for the world. Not only is it you know increased physical strength, but also apparently gives you magic powers, which is really cool. Um, as much as I admire, and like the hard part about this is, you admire wisdom and courage more than power right like that's just general human condition when you're not a (laughs) person is you admire those those qualities in people and i think that's totally fair and true and accurate but but with power also comes drive and ambition exactly which are not that those are not negative traits in of themselves and those are traits that i possess myself which is why i think that the triforce of power kind of grab i gravitate towards that a little bit more i consider myself a courageous person i take risks i do things that um are uncomfortable i i like getting out of my comfort zone um i don't know i think anybody that considers themselves wise is probably not wise so i I wouldn't say that i'm a wise person but like i like to think that I'm an intelligent person, so – and I also would like to think that I'm a moral enough person to not abuse the power of – the Triforce of Power. Um, maybe I'm kidding myself about that, but I don't know. Um, and yes, Dante, power al- 
also uh, great with great power comes great responsibility. And I am not shy of um, responsibility. <laughs> Uncle Ben. <laughs> I love that gif. And for those of you who are going to be listening to this episode, Dante just posted a gif of Uncle Ben's rice in the in the uh, in the chat with that quote, which is perfect. And I'm not I'm not opposed to that. Right. Like I I'm not. A, so all of that to say, um, I would like to be the possessor of the Triforce of Power. And I'd like to think that I'd be a much better holder uh, than Ganondorf. I think you would be, Matt. Uh, look, I mean, the Triforce of Courage is kind of like the Gryffindor of Triforce pieces, right? Everybody like, wants everyone's it. like, I'm a Gryffindor. You know, I, I, I honestly think I would probably be a Triforce of Wisdom person. I think you would too. You know, uh, just like the knowledge of things and like the the intellectual parsing of yeah. of issues is kind of something that's a big deal for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that that would be much more much more my speed. I I agree. You're you're more of a Triforce of Wisdom person. Yeah. It's the same question as like which uh which bender nation are you a part of, right? Like yours is water. Water water bender. Yeah, you're hundred percent a water bender. Mine fluctuates between earth and fire. Most of the time it's earth, and sometimes, you know, I'm a very passionate person as a, as it comes, and uh that's a very heavy characteristic of a fire nation. So like it's you know, it's it's, it's all around. I've always, yeah, yeah. I've always seen you very much as an Earth Nation kind of, you know, like I'm not even keel enough to be an Earthbender. Well, that's not it though. the the whole The whole thing with Earthbenders is like, you know, you are immovable. Like you are planted, and yeah, you're mm-hmm. you're just uh, stubborn, unassailable. Yeah, I was trying to find more generous ways. No, to say I know that. you were trying to find. I know you were going for stubborn. <laughs> oh man great answers matt dad look do you have anything you want to contribute before we get out of here i mean you got to have something floating around in there i mean let me see i mean for oh. for somebody who doesn't align with the triforce of wisdom this might be kind of difficult and <laughs> wow, i wow that was very rude <laughs> my question would be non-zelda related okay if you could live in any fantasy world this is inclusive of video games, books, and movies. Which fantasy world would you want to live in? This is so tough because, like, obviously I'm a huge Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. right? But who wants to live in Star Wars? No, it's there, you have an authoritarian empire that's ruling your life. No, well, nobody wants And that. not only that, but the only people who seem like they have good lives in Star Wars are Jedi. Yeah. And they're celibate. Which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, I don't know. I mean, everyone in Star Wars seems like they're living a terrible life unless you're a Jedi. And even then, your life isn't that great. So you um, should be a gray Jedi. I mean, even even then, I don't know. <laughs> Star Wars just does not seem like a great world no. to live in. No. Um, man. Oh, oh, dude, this is so easy. This is so stinking easy for me. Star Trek. One, oh, one thousand percent Star, Star Trek. Trek yeah. It's a utopian society. Like humanity has achieved like the pinnacle of its, uh, you know, uh, ability. And I don't know, like it's a, you know, there's no disease or poverty and everybody is like ultra moral. And I mean, like (laughs) that sounds boring, or at least when they're not, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, every now and again, you get it like a real, yeah, yeah, real douchebag. But (laughs) uh, or uh, Kai. Yeah, sure. Um, No, look, I think as far as quality of life is concerned. Yeah. yeah, You want to live in Star Trek world. You know, those people are doing pretty great. But as far as like 
what occupation you're doing within a fantasy world. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I think it would still be Star Trek for me. I mean, like I look, I've been a big Trekkie for my entire life. And you would not do well in Starfleet. Uh, I am not. See, this is the trouble. I am not. Uh, I, I think most people who do well in Starfleet are probably big brain like they could have gone to MIT, you know. Uh, and so, yeah. yes, that would be a that would be a big that'd be a big barrier to well, entry. Also, for me. also, you are a homebody, set down roots type of person, and Starfleet is not. Uh, but the ship could become your your. No ships change. Your assignments change. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, no, you bring up good points. Um, <laughs> because I'm the same way, and that's why I could never choose. Um, Starfleet like I it's the same reason I never wanted to go to the military is I don't want that type of lifestyle like a, a lifestyle where you're just moving around constantly you're never able to settle down and set down roots like I want to set set down roots I want to be somewhere have my people around me have my family have my friends and like build a life that's like that's what I want out of life okay well with okay that that's all super fair like I don't disagree with anything that you're saying you know, I would like to be a uh, a horse lord of Rohan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine is um, I would want to be a um, just like a super minor lord of Gondor. Like, I don't want to be like Faramir. Level. You don't want to be Denethor. I don't want to be Denethor. You don't want to be a tomato mansion, <laughs> like bad dad. No, I don't want to be any of those things. But like that, I don't know. The Lord of the Rings outside of the the like war against Sauron. Ooh, like I want to live in Numenor before the fall. Yes, obviously. That is obviously the answer. Like way before, way before they go corrupt and start sacrificing babies. Um, like Numenor would be awesome. Yeah. Let's be honest. It'd yeah. be so cool because you don't want to be in, like, I don't want to be an elf. That's the problem. They're like, no, they're so dude, detached. Nah, nah, from they're things. too ethereal and living forever. Sounds terrible. I yeah, don't want to, no, live I don't, I don't want to do that. No I don't want to do that. Uh, uh-uh. but yeah. yeah, maybe like, yeah, you know, you're, you're living a pretty good life in Minas Tirith and like, yeah. You know, every now and again, the or the, even in Osgiliath before it gets <laughs> every now and again, the the black and silver banner of the of the kings flies over the tower. And you're yeah, like, uh, yeah, you know yeah, what? I'm part right. of something pretty neat yeah, here. I'm totally for it. Yeah. yeah. OK, cool. That's where I'm at. And you know what? If uh, if Gondor is too much, then I think Kolku is right. Shire for life. It's all baby. about that Shire. You got to get that Hobbit life going. You yeah. Just smoke pipes and drink beer and eat all day, every day and farm who, occasionally. And who cares what's going going on outside yeah, the Shire, for except sure. for in the books where things outside the Shire very much impact what's happening <laughs> in the Shire. Yeah, and then you have the sacking of the Shire, which sucks. You don't want that. You don't want that. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> Matt, man, this is this, this has been fun. fun. This, this has been fun. so fun. This man, fun. this was this was seriously such a wonderful palate cleanser. Yeah. Um, sure. Especially going into a new year, uh, spending spending this time just kind of like shooting the breeze about all these interesting hypothetical questions, you know, both video game and non-video game related. Um, we appreciate so much everyone who took the time to send questions in for this discussion. Everything was awesome. Like seriously, we appreciate our Discord community so much for contributing to this. And uh, for everyone who's been hanging out in the chat this whole time, uh, honestly, like, thank you for listening along. And 
I guess all I can say is I'm really happy that it wasn't a disaster. And like (laughs) we actually had stuff to talk about. Yeah, well, it it was kind of I feel like this is mostly just like a normal podcast. I don't know. Anyone who showed up uh, looking to like see a train wreck in real time be like, oh, they just edit all that out. I, you know, uh, um, I'm sorry to have disappointed you. But at the same time, since I'm editing this episode, I'm glad we disappointed you. <laughs> Absolutely. Very glad. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But this is a great time. And I think it's safe to say that in some form or fashion, we're going to be doing this sort of thing again in the future. Absolutely. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Yep. This was amazing. Um, so with all that being said, I, I, I think it's about time to get out of here for the week. I mean, you know, we still got to do some packing. We're getting on a flight in the morning. Uh yeah, we have stuff to do. Yeah, there's a lot that needs to be done, and it, it's almost 11 o'clock. So it is, let's it uh, let's get to the doing. That sounds great to me. All right, well, before we get into the outro, y'all, I just want to say the last, uh, let's see, what year What year did we start this? Was it 21? 20, yeah, it's April of 21. Okay, cool. Uh, for everyone who's been with us for that entire time, and for people who have not, as we go into a new year... We want to thank you so much for hanging along with us while we go through this journey. As we said at the, you know, close to the top of the show, this has been an immensely fulfilling project for us. And uh, half of that is truly because of the wonderful people who have been following along and contributing to the success of the show. And uh, we, we seriously can't say thank you enough. Um, it, it means so much to us and we're excited for the future of of what this is and what this community is mm-hmm. and uh and to all of you we hope you have an excellent 2023 we hope that your holiday season has been wonderful um can't wait to get back at it with more chunks of game yeah. you know we got more game to play plenty of more games to play in the future and a lot more content to produce for you guys and just to echo everything Lyndon said, like you guys are why we do it. And we thank you so much for sticking with us and being with us and having fun. Absolutely. And all that being said, we do still have the poll up, which uh, Patreon supporters are able to contribute to, uh, in which we're trying to figure out what we're playing in season eight of this show. And as of this evening, with two days left to go in the poll, Phantom Hourglass and A Link Between Worlds are in a dead heat. Let's go. So we actually, there was some stiff competition this time. It was, it was even keel there for a while. Yeah, it really was. So uh, who's to say on Wednesday we'll be closing that poll and we'll know what we're going to be playing in season eight. Uh, No bad options there. It's going to be great no matter what we do. So, uh, but before then, of course, we have a lot more Wind Waker to play. We will be back on January 18th with our next chapter of the Wind Waker in which we talk about the Triforce quest and loose ends. And we're going to have Max Nichols back on for that episode. Yes, we are. So there you go. All right. Is it outro time? It's outro time. Let's do it, man. All good things must come to an end, right? I mean, eventually. Yes, that's a <laughs> this is a Star Trek uh, episode title. It is. It's it, uh, the best. The, the best, best finale. The best finale in the history of Star Trek. Yep. All, All good, good things. things. Yep. There you go. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's show and you'd like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash Sacred Realms pod and become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it is not a problem. Five star Apple podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy. Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms pod for updates on the podcast and for behind the scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back on January the 18th for our thoughts on the 
Wind Waker talking about the Triforce quest and tying up loose ends. We'd love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on our social channels. The Wind Waker can be played in its original form on the Nintendo GameCube. It can be played in its HD remaster on the Nintendo Wii U, or it can be played on any device capable of running a Dolphin emulator. But in the meantime, may your hearts be full, may your arrows never miss, and for the first time in 2023, we'll see y'all next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences.